All right, so today's reading is from Luke 11, verse 1 through 4, and I'm going to be reading the uh, ESV. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. This is the last message in our series on mercy, and um, it's been a lot. Uh, We have looked at some really astonishing and and honestly hard passages, and I know that sounds a little, but I wanted to close with um, the Luke version of the Lord's Prayer. I know it seems a little strange. It seems to be clipped. Most of you and I, you know, uh, the, the version that is more famous comes out of Matthew, and it's a, it's a little bit of a fuller version. And, um, but as we talk, as we close this series on mercy, um, I thought it was right and appropriate um, to really wrestle with this, this prayer. Um, the, the Gospel of Luke is, shows us a Jesus who, um, he didn't just come to forgive us our sins. He came to reach the poor, the hurting, and the, the sins and the, it, it, it's, it's not just about like little wrong things that I've done. And, um, and when Jesus teaches us to say, your kingdom come, we were, we're asking God, your kingdom come. And I thought it's right and appropriate that um, I, I've heard this, the Lord's prayer taught in many ways, um, but I thought that it was, it's right to talk about mercy. Um, how can you have the, ask the king of all creation that his kingdom would come into our time and our place um, without mercy? <laughs> that mercy would have to be right at the core of what it would look like if God's kingdom were to come. And so that's what we're going to look at today. It's been a lot just, just let, let me, I thought it's worth it. I, 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 have, I have to do this a little tighter today, but um, actually we're, we're, we're so efficient. We, I got to preach a little earlier than I would normally, but um, we looked, we had two messages on Luke chapter four. And that's where Jesus pr- said, I'm the Messiah. And he cited Isaiah 61 and says, I've come to bring good news to the poor. Two difficult, but very challenging messages on how Jesus came to bring us the ultimate jubilee. Freedom from debt, freedom from poverty. Right? Um, then we had three messages on this really uh, challenging passage, the Luke version of the Beatitudes, where he starts off, blessed are the poor, and then he says the really hard part, woe to you if you're rich. Woe to you if you're rich. Do you remember that? That's a really, <laughs> that's a pretty much a punch in the face, punch in the gut message, and we, we, rest, we wrestle with that over three Three, um, three weeks. And then we looked at Luke chapter 9, um, where, where Jesus feeds the 5,000. And actually, and then I also referenced the, G, the feeding of the 4,000. And there for two weeks, we wrestled with the question of provision. Because the things that Jesus asked us to do to reach those who are hurting and who are poor and are indebted 
are honestly just completely impossible. Feed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. Thank you, Jesus, for that command. And then we have to go do it, and we find out that actually we're not the ones who are doing it. And then we wrestled two weeks in just the chapter previous, just, just, just the previous verses to this. So keep this in mind. Before you get to the Luke version of the Lord's Prayer, not long before that is the Good Samaritan, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we wrestled that for two weeks. And um, so now today I want to close our series with um, a quick, um, you know, just a, the, a, a tight, I mean, there's, you know, you could look at this for over multiple weeks, but just one Sunday on Thy Kingdom Come, and especially looking at the subject of mercy. So in three parts, part one, forgiveness is costly. <laughs> forgiveness and costs, or another way to put it is grace and mercy is costly. Forgiveness has costs, right? That's part one. Part two, can the kingdom come without mercy? I think you already know the answer is no way. <laughs> but I want to wrestle with that question. Can the kingdom come without mercy? And part three, we want to talk about our king, the king of grace and mercy. The king of a costly grace and mercy. Um, part one, let's... Uh, Let's just, you know, I want to just look at two portions of this prayer. I mean, it's like, it's two verses, um, but just two portions here. It says, Father, hallowed be your name. Let it be holy. Let it be set aside. And then it says, your kingdom come. It doesn't say the Matthew, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. I was actually a little bit, um, I was like, oh, it doesn't say that. But um, I was re- I was thinking about this. The thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as is in heaven. I I love that portion. It isn't just we're going to go to a a kingdom um, away, but the heavenly kingdom must come on earth as it is in heaven. But that's not what it says here. That's not the Luke version. I I think of the Luke version as even more, there's an urgency. He doesn't even bother to say that portion. Just just your kingdom come. (laughs) Let it come. It needs to come. That's the emphasis. We live in a time where it's not God's kingdom, it's just man's kingdom. And in man's kingdom, you know what that means? The poor and the weak and the downtrodden, that's all they get. They're hurt, they're ignored, they're left behind. And that's and and for sometimes when people think of this, I don't know how many of you, you if you grew up in the church, of course you know this prayer. You may have even memorized this prayer. I did. Um, uh, do you know Catholics all know this prayer? They all memorize this, especially the ones, if you grew up in a more traditional Catholicism, then you had to do a, a confession to the priest. They would say, you have to go say a certain number of our fathers. This is what they mean. Right? So they know the prayer. But have you ever really thought about it? Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. We are saying that there's supposed to be a king, and his will is done, not my will. That's part of what we're saying. Your kingdom, not my kingdom. But so many of us think about this ver- this, the, these verses, this prayer, and it's just thinking about, it's a religious little piece, um, even this little portion. Forgive us our, our, our debts, or forgive me my sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us our debts, as we forgive those who are indebted to us. 
and we only think about it as just uh, it's something about me and then somebody who wronged me. And then there's my sins, and then I'm so glad Jesus forgave my sins. And we think of, of a kingdom, and of course there's supposed to be his kingdom, but it, it's, we think of it in this realm of like a small religiosity. It's a religious prayer. It's a religious kingdom. And I, you know, I, I, you know that's, that's what we think about it as. But I think for so many Christians, this is what we mean by, by, by this when we pray this. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Or your kingdom come. Yeah, okay, we don't even think about that. Mostly when we think about Jesus, we, we're like, Jesus, the son of God, he came down, he paid for my sins, I have these wrong things that I did, and, you know, wrong things that I feel and believe in my heart, and Jesus paid for that, and then um, I'm, 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 I'm going to just, you know, that's kind of like what I think about on Sundays. Sometimes I think about it in the middle of the week. But mostly my life is consumed with work, making money, trying to make my life, my kid's life, my wife's life, or my girlfriend's life, or, you know, as good as it can be. And Jesus will help me. And I'm sure he, I'm so glad he did that really important part about the forgiveness of sins. And so mostly what we care about is my kingdom come. <laughs> That's really what we're about. Mostly when we're praying, Jesus, can you help me with this job part? Can you help, you know, like my marriage isn't really working out really well, or my kids aren't really obeying me very well, or like we're sick, and, you know, and I, of course, look, I'm not trying to poo-poo any of those prayers. Those are good prayers, okay? But there's like a prayer underneath that prayer. <laughs> there's a prayer of like, you know, like my job work out better, my, or I'm sick, Okay, or, or like something better happened in my life. But the prayer underneath the prayer is really my kingdom. Could you help my kingdom be better? And that's kind of a lot, a lot of what we're doing. But actually, that's not what we're... He taught his disciples. We're supposed to be followers of Jesus. That's what a disciple is. A disciple is taught to pray, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Now... Um, some of us think about this prayer is there's, you know, like there's a piece, your kingdom come, and then there's like a give us our daily bread, <laughs> and then there's like forgive us our sins, and then we'll forgive those who sin against us. Actually, um, I don't think that's the right way to think about the prayer. The right way to think about the prayer is your kingdom come. And when his kingdom comes, guess what? Then we eat every day. <laughs> we don't just eat the food that feeds our bodies, we f eat the eternal food that makes us live and feeds our souls. And when his kingdom comes and the king is with us, then all our wretched, horrible sins can be forgiven. And when he is our king, then because he forgives us our sins, other people who owe us, we will do something really radical and generous with them. Um, you know, we think about these things. I, I, I have, a, um, I, I taught a Bible study very years ago when I was very young. And, um, and I was in my 20s, and the guy I was in college, we were studying this, and he, and he said, Pastor, does that mean we're supposed to forgive other people who've done really bad things to us? And I looked at him, and I pretty much said, yeah. <laughs> I think there's no way getting around it. And he's like, and he got this really hard look on his face. 
because he had this girlfriend who cheated on him <laughs> and ripped his heart apart. And of course, they know that happened several years ago, but he still hated her guts. And all of a sudden, he looked at her and he said, I have to forgive her. It was like, it was wow. And it, it, he couldn't do it all at once. It, it, he had to like do it in piecemeal. And how did he do it? He, he kept just looking at this verse and remembering how Jesus forgave him. That's an incredible and absolutely right on application of this passage. And maybe you have somebody in your life you need to forgive. And maybe it'll be, maybe they did something even worse than cheating on you when you were dating them. Maybe. I, I, I know people who forgave fathers who uh, beat their, their mom. <laughs> I know women who forgave husbands who cheat on them because of the gospel. <laughs> but let me point out something else to you. This is really interesting. The text doesn't say, forgive us our sins and we'll forgive those who sinned again. That's not what it says. It's really interesting. I, um, I, I took a look at the Greek and it, it, I said, okay, so it, it's a tricky piece of Greek. It says, forgive, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. That's, that's, that's actually, it's a very good translation. The, the word there in the Greek has a kind of range of meaning. It says um, guilt, those who are guilty to us, that's one. But it also says those who owe us, those who are obligated to us. So there, it's, a, it's an interesting piece of meaning. Debt, you know, we typically think of money, but there's actually much more difficult pieces of debt than money, right? Um, I, I want to say something else. Most of us think about this only in my individual life, and we think about my kingdom come, and Jesus, can you help out my kingdom? But do you realize we, we believe in a king? Okay, that, that's not really obvious. A king isn't just your king or my king. He's our king. He's supposed to be the king of the universe. He's a king of, he, it's a corporate. He's the king of the nation. That's the way it's supposed to be. So things like money, economics, how we handle things, so, and then how we're indebted, in, and then how we're obligated to each other. He's a king over all of that. You get it? So let me point out something that's, um, that if you think about it, it's obviously true, but in America, we never think about it. <laughs> Practically never. And that's this, that everybody owes. <laughs> okay. You and I, most of you probably went to public school. Heck, let's say even you went to private school. Somebody had to build that school. Your parents had to pay tuition at school, but somebody had to build a really great school. Well, public school, you know what? That, that means generations upon generations, Americans built a school that everybody can go for free, but it's not actually free. Who paid for that school? I remember when I was a kid, I went to the school and... Um, and I know my parents didn't pay any money, but they gave me pencils and books, and I was like, I was like, it's free. It's really crazy. It's free. It's not free. And some of my teachers were amazing. And if I didn't have those teachers, I couldn't have gone to some really good university 
and I couldn't have been a good reader, and I couldn't learn calculus, and whatever, whatever, and all these other things that allow me to, you know, have my gifts come out, and I can make good money, and then I can contribute back in a society. Everybody owes. Everybody. And then, what it means to be a citizen is to contribute back so that other people, their humanity, so kids aren't just living in the street because they can't read. If there was no public school and all the other Americans didn't pay for that school that I thought was free, guess what? My family would be dirt poor because we came to America with nothing. <laughs> I mean, it was literally a law in the late 70s when we came to America that you can't leave Korea with only X amount of money. And it was a small amount of money. My parents came to America with literally a few hundred dollars. So everybody owes. And so here, that's the other thing. Everybody owes. That's one. What do we do with it? We go and live our life. We make our money. And then somebody else who's hurting, we go, oh, you're, you're a drug addict. You're lazy. It's your fault. Whatever. And then we just ignore them. But, you know, if somebody else didn't, if our society didn't produce these things so that we could be blessed, we would never have gotten to the position of being middle class or upper middle class or maybe a lot more better than upper middle class. And then we turn around and look at somebody else because they're hurting and then we just go, oh, I don't owe you anything. Really? Really? The, the fact is, the folks who ran America didn't have to pay for my education. All my neighbors didn't have to do that for me. And so all of a sudden, we can turn to one of our neighbors as well. And where does all this stuff come from? Really, it all, our society works this way, not only just because, well, it, it turns out everybody figures, like, gosh, if you let some people get rich, it helps, it raises all boats. It does work that way. But actually, it really just comes from the Bible, because this country used to be you know, highly influenced by the Bible. So you and people who are very poor can actually rise up. That's how it actually works. So I, this passage, I want to point to something out to you. One, we all owe. Okay, we all owe. And most of us don't give much back. Let me say that. We don't give that nearly enough back. So when... We ask the Lord to forgive us our debts as we forgive those others. Guess what? We, you know, entitlement is an ugly, horrible thing. This passage is blows out of the water. You want a much better society? How about forgiveness? Forgiveness of debts. Let's go to part two. Can the kingdom come without mercy? Well, um, You know, we owe, this is an interesting part. Everybody owes, as I pointed out. Most of us probably don't pay back our debt. Maybe some of us do, and I'm just talking even at just some monetary level, okay? But how about this? What if you can't? We meet somebody in society. Say the person's a drug addict. The person lives on the street. 
they're supposed to take their humanity and contribute it back to, to the community. But they can't, or they won't. So they're, in one sense, failing their obligation and their debt. Everybody goes, I don't know anybody. That's just nonsense. Everybody owes. You know what Jesus wants us to do? Forgive them that debt. <laughs> Why? Because he forgave us our debt. That's, that's, that's how the passage works. That's how the prayer works. We all say this prayer like it's just like, oh, it's just like some religious people. But that's what we're saying. Think about the next time you ever say the Lord's Prayer. You're saying, wow, crazy stuff. You're, you're asking for his kingdom to come. And if his kingdom comes, everybody contributes. And everybody is made whole. And then we will do what it takes, even when somebody else can't do it. Why? Because Jesus came not just so he could say, well, I'll just make your life a little better. And then when you die, you know, then we can sell, you can sell your Christmas and you can have gifts. And then when you die, then like you can go to the good place. It's not why he came. <laughs> Christmas is the kingdom coming. Christmas is mercy coming. <laughs> Did Jesus come down and hang with the rich folks? And then say, you know, let's have some welfare for the poor folks. That's not what he did. Jesus came down to the bottom and so then said, I forgive all their debts. I forgive your debts. That's how he did it. Let me give you a little uh, a picture of um, debt, what indebtedness can look like. It costs. I'm kind of mixing up my, I, I, I was supposed to tell you the part about we all owe in part two and then I was supposed to give you the costly part. Okay, so this is the part I actually intend to say in part one. I heard this little illustration from Tim Keller many years ago, and it just really sticks in my mind. And I'm just, let's give credit where credit is Tim Keller, okay? I'm not quite smart enough to come up with this. Let's say somebody comes to your house. They're a guest of yours. And then they, you know, all of a sudden, like, boom, like this, I don't know, and then knock over your lamp, boom, and it shatters. Bing. Let's say it was an expensive lamp. <laughs> it was an expensive lamp. And you, because you care about them and you're a good host, they feel so, so, feel so bad. They feel so bad. About it. They immediately start picking up the pieces and then they pull out their wallet because they, they have to pay for the lamp. And you go, no, 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 no. Huh. So you, 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 you refuse the money. You say, don't you even help them pick up the pieces. In your mind, you're going, oh my goodness, that was like, I got that lamp from my mom. It's like a family, so expensive. It's like irreplaceable. And so you forgive them what they owe. And they, they feel so grateful that you care about them this way. What was that? It was a piece of grace because they really do owe. They should, when they pull out the money, you'd be like, yeah, actually, I can go get a lamp, $150 lamp, but that's not going to replace the fact that I got that from my grandmother. But if you forgive them that, now here's the part. If you forgive them, you have to pay. There's two ways. One is, let's say you don't replace the lamp. That means every time you sit in that room and there's not any light in that room, you pay because you sit in a darker room. That's the way you pay. But the other way is, let's say you go buy a new lamp. 
it costs you your money. But if it came from your grandmother, it costs you the pain of missing your grandmother, that thing that you cherished. Every time you, don't, you see that that lamp is missing, and you're looking at like this new IKEA lamp, and you're like, it's not my grandmother's lamp. It's, it's nice, IKEA lamp, whatever. Okay? Cost you the money to pay for the lamp. But the pain of you don't have, it costs you. It costs you then, and every time you look at that lamp, every time you look at it, it costs you. It hurts. It hurts you more. It costs. So, this is what real mercy is like. There's a person who owes it to society, but we owe too. And there's someone who forgave us our debtedness, our obligation. We had an infinite obligation to the king, and he forgave it. This person owes, and then we're like, gosh, you know, I owed a thousand. Let's just use a number. $1,000, and I paid off. Why can't you pay off your $1,000? Whatever. That's how we usually typically think. But the king goes, I paid your obligation. Can't you forgive him? And if we show him mercy, guess what? It costs us, doesn't it? It doesn't just cost us once. Because if the person can't kind of get his act together and become like a contributing member of society, then, and we ought to offer that person grace and mercy because his kingdom has come. Then it costs us, and then it costs us. I'll tell you a story, and then I'll give you the gospel and close the message. This past summer, um, uh, we sent a team to Bishop Native American Reservation, as many of you know. And this year, for the first time, we, uh, we partnered with a, a woman that calls herself a missionary to Owens Valley. <laughs> Her name is Larissa Craig. Godly, amazing woman of God. Amazing woman of God. And she runs this Bible camp called Eastern Sierra Bible Camp. And, and to just put it bluntly, poor kids come. <laughs> um, they're usually the kids where their church is so poor or don't have any kind of program to offer any kind of like youth retreat or VBS to them. So she runs one, and poor kids from the towns up and down that valley come to that Bible camp, Eastern Sarah Bible camp. She runs that camp on a shoestring, and sometimes the kids show up with nothing. So they're supposed to bring their sleeping bag and a change of clothes and etc. Okay, they, they, sometimes they show up with nothing. So she has to put, get, get them a sleeping bag, toothbrush, toothpaste. So when Frank and I met her, we, we bought her socks, towels. To, I mean, we just said, this, this will help you. We met her so that we can get our Native American teenage kids and some of the younger ones to go to that Bible camp because we can't provide that retreat for them. So we thought if we go, maybe some of the Native kids, some of the Paiute and Shoshone kids will go to that, that uh, camp. And um, they did. We had six kids go. I, I would have been happy if one went. <laughs> 
actually the day, the night before, it looked like we were gonna get zero, and I would have come home like really sad. <laughs> but then six kids came, and I was like, yes! <laughs> I was like, <laughs> next year we'll probably get 10 or 20. I'm not kidding. So, one of the kids who came, and I'm not gonna say his actual name, because it's a sensitive story. His name is John. I'll just call him John, okay? John is like, I don't know, 10, 11? It's kind of short. He says he's older, but maybe he's older, but he looks like 10, 11 to me. But he might be older. And I heard from our, our brother, uh, Sean, who knows every kid on the reservation, said, oh, he's a, he, he's a drug kid. And John, John hangs out with the group of older brothers who know the Lord, who are all Native Americans, and you know they range from age like 14 through in their 20s. And, 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 and there's a guy who leads them, and he calls and they, they, he calls them they, they call themselves the B Town Boys. And you know what they all they do is they go hang out with younger boys, and encourage them to follow Jesus. And because they have a little more like honor and righteousness. Some of the boys, not all of them, but some of them are influenced by them and care about the name of Jesus. And John's mom is a drug addict. Uh, I met her. Yeah, she's a drug addict. <laughs> and, um, and John likes to hang out with the B-Town boys. I, I, I said to you, we're not there to fix the world. We can't reach every kid. But for whatever reason, John responds to the B-Town boys. And you know what? When I see that, you know what I think that means? Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is working on John. That's all it means. Okay? You go, oh, he just likes those guys because they're nice to him. Yeah, but they're nice to all the kids in the reservation. But why don't those kids care, like, want to listen to these guys when he talks about Jesus? But that kid, the son of a drug addict... He's all ears when you talk about Jesus. And when we made the invitation, you want to go to Eastern Sierra Bible Camp? John said yes. You know, we have to go to his mom's house because she has to sign the permission slip. And on that permission slip, you're supposed to write down if he needs any medications. He, He does take medication, but she didn't tell us that, so we didn't know. You know what medication he takes? He takes ADD medication. Because kids whose mom was doing drugs while they're in the womb often have attention deficit issues. So he takes ADD medication. And, but we didn't know that. When he was with us while we were doing VBS census, the kid behaved just perfectly great. He seemed to love all the stuff that we do for and talk about Jesus. But when he went to Eastern Sierra Bible Camp, he didn't have any medication. And the kid turned into a little monster, to be honest with you. He just started disrupting everything, having fights. And we left behind a couple of our teenagers. It was Calvin and Hudson. Calvin and Hudson would, like, he took up so much bandwidth. (laughs) 
that essentially Calvin and Hudson were being exhausted by John. And four days in, Larissa Craig called me and said, uh, I'm sorry, Sue Hong, he has to go. She kicked him. She says, we have to kick him out. I said, okay. This is, see, this is part of what it takes. This is real. Oh, wouldn't it be nice? Here's just some loving little poor kid, and then we go get the poor kid, and then we help him, and he's so grateful, and he loves Jesus, and he just turns into a great model citizen. Wouldn't that be great? That's not how it works. This is how it really works. And so I drove up, and here, now, now I'm thinking, okay, okay, you know, I'm, I'm starting to put on my tough, like, tough drill sergeant mode. <laughs> Because I knew this kid wasn't, wasn't going to want to leave. And I was going to have to basically look straight in the face and say, you got to go. You better come. You think I want to do that to a kid? His mom is a drug addict. In order to love him, he had to learn. <laughs> it was hard. It was really hard. <laughs> it took an hour and a half to get him into my minivan. And it's like a 45-minute drive from Benton down to Bishop to his house. And he cried the whole way. He cried the whole way. And I basically, and then, you know, but I didn't give him, I was like, then you got to learn not to be a total snot. <laughs> not to punch the person who's trying to lead you. <laughs> he did that, okay? And he said, okay. I go, next year you can go. He's like, Did, there, no way, my mom's not going to let me go next year. I said, yes, you will. Yes, you will. She lets you go this year, I'll talk to her. I'll, I'll talk straight to her face. And next time, and actually, I didn't know about the, the ADD medication until later. And I realized we did him wrong. In trying to love him, we loved him poorly. But he needed all of it. He needed our cost, the money to send him to the camp. He needed our energy to go see his mom. He needed the tough love. He needed all of it. And then next year, he'll need it again. And maybe the year after, he'll need it again. Brothers and sisters, you and I are John. Don't think we're not. a really kind person from a far greater culture and a wholly beautiful kingdom came into a really wretched and horrible culture. Our parents maybe weren't a drug addict, but they were all like legalistic, self-righteous, wicked, sinful Pharisees. And we get the drug of the Pharisee in us, and that's how we act. And when Jesus comes, we punch him. And we say things to him like, your kingdom come. But what we really mean is, my kingdom come. And will you be my little lackey and make things work for me? And when you're not, I start giving you the F-bombs. And I hate you because you don't make my life work because it's really about my kingdom. And really, that's our wickedness. That's our drug addiction. That's us. That's us. But the kingdom came. Our king came, and he paid the cost. He paid with money? No, he paid with blood. 
and he paid with grace. And even when we did not deserve, he paid with mercy and mercy and mercy, and it cost him. <laughs> and so, brothers and sisters, I hope that all these messages and like would stay with you. And we will not go out there with our self-righteousness and with our Phariseeism. Instead, we'll always remember his kingdom came. And he forgave us our sins. And so then, maybe we can begin to have mercy and forgive. Because we have been forgiven an incredible debt. We can begin to forgive the debt of others and give them mercy. Let's pray. Lord, we look at each other and we're like, oh, that's a good, respectable, upper middle class, well-educated person or something like that. But when you see us, you see wretchedness, not any different than John. Actually, maybe even worse. Maybe even worse. Because our drug, our pharisaical, self-righteous drug is far worse than whatever drug John's mom is doing. This just destroys her life on this earth. But that drug of righteousness and entitlement, it'll send us to hell forever. (laughs) But thank you, Jesus, that you came and you gave us mercy. Thank you that you forgave us our debts. And now help us to have faith and forgive the obligations and debts of others and show them mercy even in a little way, like the way you showed us mercy. Help us be okay, more than okay, actually even glad to take on the cost because you took on an infinitely greater cost. And we love you, Lord Jesus, but help us love you more. And by loving you more, help us love our neighbors, something like the way you've loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.